welcome to the My Curious Colleague Podcast with your host, me, Denise Veneri. We'll be talking all things consumer relations with a focus on consumer product goods organizations and the brand specialist and analyst roles and responsibilities. So if you like CPGs like I like CPGs, marketing, insights, and caring deeply for your consumers, well, take a listen. Um, so we talked a little bit about, you know, qualitative and quantitative, right, on a, right. on a large scale. So when you go to the qualitative, you've got focus groups and, you know, your dyads and your triads and, you know, one-on-ones, you know, so a moderator with two people, a moderator, three people, so forth. Right. Okay. Um, you'll even find ethnography in there, right? You go into someone's home and you visit them and you record them and observe them. So all those things, qualitative. When you get to the quantitative side of the research arm, um, there's actually kind of two classifications, and then they break down from there. So you have things that we call the analytical side or analytical methods, um, where there's kind of a like a right or a wrong answer. Um, and then you have things that are affective, which is more subjective and and liking kind of stuff. So when you go on the analytical side, the two methodologies that are used most often are discrimination methods and descriptive Mm -hmm. methods. Discrimination meaning there are all different kinds of tests that you can use to determine whether products are different or not. Companies use those quite a bit, particularly for cost savings projects, right? Um, where you're looking at optimizing an ingredient or you need to change an ingredient, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, the costs are too high, or maybe the supply has run out and you need a Mm -hmm. new supplier and you want the product to stay the same. So there are tests that are run by the scientists to determine, are these two products similar, sufficiently Mm -hmm. similar to call them same, or are they different? Okay. But there were, and I will also say there are some cases where you might say, oh, it's now sweeter or now it's, um, you know, has more chips, for instance, and you have to actually validate that. So those kinds of tests can be used in those kinds of methods. So they're called discrimination. There's like triangle, duo, trio, paired, difference tests, those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Your descriptive analysis is, as it says, it's describing products, right? So here you can contrast and compare many products. In the difference test, you're basically looking at two two formulas, two products. In your descriptive analysis, you could have, you know, as few as two, as many as, you know, 30 or 40 products that you're actually kind of making a fingerprint, kind of think about it as like a fingerprint of the product quantifying all of the attributes and then the intensities of those attributes among that sample set. So now you can come back and look at which are similar, which are different, what are the attributes specifically, what's the intensity of the differences between the samples. So that's descriptive. When you get to the affective testing, which is all about liking and purchase Mm -hmm. and how do I feel about the, the products, those you have your central location tests where people go, you know, into an agency and test. There are things that you do, send products in people's homes. 
Um, there are now companies such as Flavor Wiki that you know I'm associated with now that the person goes to the store and buys the product themselves and brings it home and tries it, and they're evaluating the the sample. Um, but those things are, you know, they're if you want to say they're a subjective in the sense that is about a person's opinion, and you're trying to gain, you know many opinions to form and draw some conclusions about the entire population, right? This is the best product. This is the weakest product. This one is too sweet. That one doesn't have enough vanilla flavor, those Mm -hmm. kinds of things. Um, That's your affective methods. Is that spelled the way I think it is? If somebody wanted to get more information, affective, A-F-F? A-F-F. E-C-T-I-V-T. That's, that is a great 101. Um, I think what's great, what's even more great about that is it really like it kind of just, it's a nice little primer and a refresher. And it then can serve as part of that connection point when you or your leader is trying to connect with the, the consumer insights team. You know, I want to learn more about these areas. You know, we know a little bit about this one versus that one, but we'd like to get deeper understanding. And I think even just that willingness to learn about the consumer insights methodologies will really go to, you know, deepening relationships. It it actually will be another win-win where both sides get get to uh, learn a little something. Yeah. Yeah. And Denise, let me just add too, because particularly for this um, group that we're we're talking with, one of the other main points that you'll hear being talked about is, you know, a controlled environment versus non. And so Mm -hmm. when you're working with those analytical methods, um, you are controlling your environment. So there's a specific test design that has to be executed. You want to reduce all of the variables out of your experiment because you are running an experiment. I think that's another thing Mm -hmm, to keep mm -hmm. in mind with these things is that it is an experiment. And so you're trying to control everything that you can besides the stimulus that you want to measure. So it's controlled. Um, that is some of the discussions that you will also have when you come from, when you talk about that central location test versus something in home, because in the central location test, it's still a controlled environment. You're in that agency, the temperature, the lighting, the test design, the amount of sample everybody gets is exactly the same, right? So you, you do have control in that versus what you'll have a lot of discussions between your R&D and your marketing is about that environment. When you go in home, right, you may say, well, please heat this in the microwave. For, yeah. You know, follow the instructions. It goes in this wattage microwave for this amount of time at this power. Doesn't mean they're going to follow. If, you know, it's a spaghetti sauce. I want you to cook this much pasta for this many minutes and You know, people are going to use it as they normally would, which also exposes the product to lots more variability, which Mm -hmm. is also very important as you get to the later stages of your development. It's it's that's very hard to deal with at the beginning of your development cycle because you don't know whether the um, input that you got is impacted by the environment. 
right? Well, they didn't sure. like that sample, but it ended up, you know, it was 80 degrees in their house. And so the chocolate melted versus someone, <laughs> oh you know, whose house was at 70 and it didn't. So sure. early in the development, you, you know, you probably need some of that control later, not so much. And you later. need to get it to mm -hmm. expose, but just to remind mm -hmm. people, because it is a point that will come yeah. up, I'm sure, as people start to deal with R&D and, and marketing and product testing and consumers. Perfect. So underscoring the difference between a controlled environment and a not controlled, and you want to have mm -hmm. the less mm -hmm. controlled um, kind of coming up later in the development as you're refining. Refining. Perfect. Love that. Um, okay. You had touched on the chatbots, um, you know, having conversations, I think you said with hundreds of folks. I'm familiar yeah. with the chatbot and people are trying to test those with one-on-one -on -one conversations on the website, you know, the live chat consumer relations team, but I'm not familiar with this methodology. So if you could tell us a little bit more about that and is there any other methodologies yeah. that have changed as we've navigated that have changed with digital transformation, you know, and or the, the pandemic. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, so yeah, there are companies out there today. <clears throat> One is the evolve group, which developed this chatbot called Eve. So it's actually, you know, another research house. They are based in Australia um, they're pretty unique, um, and I have experience um, using them. And again, for an R and D purpose, right? So it's not a it's it's a research purpose as opposed to you know going on somebody's website and saying, okay, I have a problem with my product, and someone is you know chatting with you, and it's a chatbot. Um, this is actually using for R and D purposes or you know marketing purposes. Um, and it was very, very it, it, interesting and useful, again, because you could talk to a lot of, of people and it'll continue to query. So if you think about when you're in a focus group and the moderator is like, you know, well, tell me more or you mentioned this. So why that? Right. This chat bot will go through and do that with the consumer and really try to dig down deep. And then you have the ability with the transcription to then analyze all of that. Okay. So it's a very interesting wow. approach. Okay. Uh, for research, not to say you couldn't use it in a, you know, a, um, a consumer relations area, but I haven't seen that. And we've used it from an R and D perspective. Um, with the pandemic, um, quite a bit has changed. And also <laughs> because of technology, uh, also, and I think, um, you know, the, the, again, this company that I'm doing some work with now is, was built digital and always has been digital and it started in 2017, but clearly a lot of people when that pandemic hit, including Mondelez where I was working at the time, it was like, oh, okay, well, we can't bring people into agencies anymore. We used to go and recruit 300 consumers to come to, you know, this place in New Jersey, and we're going to serve them, you know, five or six biscuits. Well, all that, you know, mm -hmm. went out the, out the window. 
Um, and you know, it's hard to, you know, at the time it's like, okay, can we send five or six products home to someone's house? And how are you going to know that they didn't open the package early or didn't try all the samples together? Do we have confidence in that? We used to bring consumers into a a room to do, um, you know, focus groups, right? And you had the moderator. Well, can we now do some kind of a team call or Zoom call, right? And everybody's online talking. So some of these things were already starting before the pandemic. But once the pandemic hit, it just was like, okay, it's a Mm -hmm. go because we (laughs) really have to come up with alternatives. And and you couldn't go, oh, well, let's pilot some things. Let's do some Mm -hmm. things in a CLT Mm -hmm. and let's do some things and compare. Nope. It was like, guys, it's now. You got to (laughs) go. Um, And at Mondelez, we revamped every test method. So while we would talk about having a CLT and we would talk about an in-home use test, we then coined what we were doing an at-home test. So we were looking to replicate the CLT at home, which was different. And we separated that out from what we were doing with an in-home use test. Again, so the at-home, we were trying to still control as much as we could with the environment. Um, and the at-home is, again, fewer products, and it's, it's there, and they're going, you know, you're asking the consumer to use it as they typically would and give you feedback. But we had it all revamped. Even our descriptive panels went at-home so where we used to bring our trained panelists into the office right. and sit them down at an iPad, sample yeah. products, we figured out how we're going to do that at home now. Mm-hmm. Um, and with, you know, some of the, again, the time stamping and things that can be done now online mm-hmm. and to know, you know, take a picture of that product, you know, you got it home, where's your receipt, take a picture of the product. Okay, now go ahead and hit start because you're going to evaluate the product as you know you're um, online you're able to timestamp things so there's a lot more you can do um, and of course you know I wouldn't say necessarily it's a, a savings in some cases it saves money but not not always by the time you you because a lot of the time and effort when you're going to do a CLT your product yeah. developers are in the lab they're making products. They go into big bags, right? Here's sample right. A, C, B, C, D. And the agency will take, you know, put a glove on and put three biscuits on a plate. Well, now your developer community has to create little packets of three cookies for every single yeah. respondent. And each pack right. has to be different. And since it's out of your control and it's going into someone's home, you also have to have all the labeling and all your regulations have to uh. be considered. So it's a little bit of, so we're in the CLT, the shift went to the control in the agency and just getting those samples. Now you've got to get yeah. control now within your yeah. shop for, you know, making little boxes to send to people's homes with the packages inside. So the cost just kind of shifts, right? Got so it. I wouldn't necessarily say you save money all right. the time by doing it in home. If you're doing your own, if you have to blind your samples, if it's manufactured samples and they're in their own package, then yeah, it's probably less expensive to 
to do the uh, virtual or online. I hadn't thought of, of those incremental costs, but um, yeah, totally, totally makes, totally makes sense. Totally makes sense. So you had mentioned, and I had mentioned that now you're with Flavor Wiki. So much for that retirement. Um, tell me a yeah. little bit about some of the areas of expertise and, and types yeah. of people you serve, please. Okay. Um, so Flavor Wiki is a small startup company and they formed in um, 2017. Um, there's only 35 of us in the company, but it was a young startup and they came in and pitched to Mondelez, um, in 2018. And I just, I loved the platform. I thought it was very cool. Again, thinking about where consumers were going and digital. So this, again, it is all a digital platform for doing surveys and testing, um, with not only consumers, but also online retailers, flavor suppliers, and I can I'll briefly talk about that. But I had um, interacted with the company, and I thought, again, that they it was really cool. So when I retired, their CEO came to me and said, well, you yeah. know, um, <laughs> we don't really have a lot of consumer packaged good experience on the team. Mm-hmm. Most most of the people on this team are all technical folks, writing software, doing analysis, the CEO was at Groupon, ran Europe, Groupon, right? So they are very techie folks. Cool. Um, there's a few of us now that have packaged goods experience. But he's like, oh, you know, would you be willing to, you know, be an advisor with us and, you know, help us on this front? Um, so that's how I started. So I'm not doing consulting out there and so forth. I'm just working with these guys on a part-time basis because mm-hmm. I just would really love for them to succeed at what they're doing. Cause I think that it's a very cool product. Yeah. Um, so it is a, a digital platform. Um, they have consumers all over the world. They have the ability to do, um, I can't remember now how many languages, but, and, and we can add languages all the time, but there are communities all over the world. So people sign up with them. Like you would have a Facebook account, you'd have a flavor wiki account. Hmm. Um, and then you're part of that community and they, you know, we engage with them just on our own behalf, just to say, Hey, you know, go out and try this product, you know, give us your opinion just so that we can keep our um, community active and actually kind of see their responses, how they react. Do they fill mm-hmm. out the scorecards? Do they, um, you know, uh, participate uh, well? So we maintain these communities, but then we can also build communities. So we can be very specific about who the company wants to talk to um, from a recruiting mm-hmm. perspective. Um the rewards are typically the price of the product. So this isn't like a place where professional tasters would come to try to make money. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, you're not going to. Um, <laughs> typically the, the drill is you sign up, there's a survey, you see if you qualify, then you go yeah. out and you purchase the product. You bring it home, you try it, and you do the survey. There are some unique things with them because they also have um, – an AI um, patented or patent pending on this AI where um, they actually run um, like a descriptive analysis. What I talked about before, right, was that analytical method Mm -hmm. where you're describing products. They have an algorithm that they have built 
within the software that allows you to get the liking information as well as this descriptive <clears throat> information from the consumer, which is really very um, powerful. So, <clears throat> and it's, a, you know, it's a platform, all the reporting can be done. They generate, you know, reports. They can, the, if the user has, you know, access because it's software as a service. Um, yeah. It's pretty slick. You can go in there and from a reporting and analysis write surveys, launch surveys. You can launch with, you know, your own company's consumers, or you could run, you know, a piece of research where the Flavor Wiki group would go out and get consumers. Very <laughs> flexible, very transparent. Um, again, it's a little small company and they were like, well, yeah. would you, you know, be willing to yeah. help us out some? And I was like, sure. Yeah. Well, aren't they lucky to have you? How would uh, <laughs> folks... <laughs> How would folks get in touch with them or you if they were looking into yeah. learning, understanding more about Flavor Wiki? Mm -hmm. um, so my email is Marcia, M-A-R-C-I-A, at FlavorWiki.com. So pretty easy there. Um, if you want to go in and look at the site, um, it's business.flavorwiki.com. And there you will see, um, you know, presentations. Um, with regards to what the mm -hmm. offer is, um, you know, who's there, how it started, um, and, and that's uh, on that site. Perfect. In terms of future uh, consumer relations or consumer behavior trends, we touched on a little, we touched on some of them. Was there anything else you wanted to add, Marcia, to yeah. that? I I think it's just important for people to realize that in this age of digital and digital transformation, that things that we might have treated previously as qualitative are going to start to become quantitative because of the fact that you can um, digitize them, right? So I think it's important for people in you know consumer relations to think about your information as an asset and thinking about it as data, because more and more companies yeah. are, you know, hiring data scientists, they're running these analytics, and it all is using disparate data as well. So it's data from many different sources and creating these algorithms. Um, and even just, you know, mentions from people, right? All of a sudden, I mean, just think about what's trending, right? Um, yeah. And how that has transformed how people think and what they feel is important. So I would just encourage um, the consumer relations people to think about what you're doing and what you're collecting as an asset and as data. And how do you digitize that and, and also find a way to house it, right? And companies are creating these big data lakes. How do you get your information into that data lake to be able to be mined as part of other things that they have? So um, more and more companies are recognizing that um, history, you know, if, right. if you don't start now to start collecting and housing and being able to have access to that information and data, it's going to be gone. Right. So you need to start now and to move forward to be part of that consideration set as companies move forward. Excellent advice. And uh, I like that new phrase, a data lake. It's good for folks to know. Basically, what I'm hearing is, hey, consumer relations data is an asset and and will continue to be more important. You want to get 
all the disparate pieces of information that the company maybe currently collects, including mentions, I think you mean on social media mm-hmm. and yep. what's, yep. And, and get that all together um, into sort of a one, one shop, one, one spot. Um, mm-hmm. And that is known as a, as a data lake. Okay. Perfect. All right. I always end my conversations with this question. And that is if you have a volunteer group, you'd like to give a shout out to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, for, for me, um, the juvenile diabetes research foundation, um, is a group that is kind of near and dear to my heart. Um, I had, my father was a type one diabetic. I have a sister, my husband and my daughter are all type one, um, diabetics. And so, you know, you see walks that, you know, they do and they're, they're all kind of coming up right around the world. Um, in the fall, they do their JDRF, you know, walks and, and so forth. So Perfect. it's just a group that, um, you know, we've participated in, we've done the walks. Uh, my daughter was actually part of their, um, children's Congress, back in, oh my gosh, now it's 2001. She actually went to Congress uh, with, they were different uh, children from each state. And they actually went and talked with our senators. And we actually were part of a hearing for funding for the NIH um, for type one uh, research. So it's just something that's near and dear to me. Wowza. Um, She's, you know, definitely sounds like she's, start I can't talk sounds like she is a leader just like her mama what a great opportunity um for your daughter oh, and if was. folks yeah. wanted yeah if um so probably it's under juvenile diabetes research group on the on just on the website yep. jdrf yeah jdrf.org jdrf.org okay thank you for clarifying that and thank you again for taking the time out um to, to chat with me and uh, all my colleagues on the podcast. I really appreciate it. It was great fun. Anytime. It really, it really was. Okay. Thanks again, Marcia. If you've learned even a kernel of an idea or was inspired by this episode, please consider rating and reviewing the podcast on Apple podcast. Be sure to share out the hashtag CPGCX because CPGCX really and truly rocks. You have been listening to the My Curious Colleague podcast with Denise Veneri. Thank you for your time.